You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. It is the holy grail of science, reaching deeply into the foundations of the world. All the particles and forces of nature, unified and explained by equations so simple, you could print them on your t-shirt. It's called the Grand Unified Theory, or the Theory of Everything. Albert Einstein never found it. Then, scientists unified forces and explained particles and became optimistic. But as the 20th century closed, uncertainty and pessimism. Is there a theory of everything? What does it mean? Why does it matter? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. There is no one with whom I would rather begin my journey than Steven Weinberg, who helped craft the standard model, the current theory of elementary particles. Steven won the Nobel Prize, but has a greater goal. He calls it a final theory. Steve, one of your famous books is Dreams of a Final Theory. Uh, final Theory uh, it's been described as a theory of everything or grand unification theory. When you dream of a final theory, what do you see? I like to call it a final theory because I was trying to get away from the theory of everything. I mean, when we have uh, what I call a final theory, we won't have solved all the problems of science. Uh, Many of the problems of science arise because of the complexity of nature. And in fact, it's the complexity that's interesting. And uh, science will continue. Uh, the final theory will not mean the end of that. Uh, and I certainly uh, wouldn't want that to be the case. By a final theory, I mean the end of a certain historical process, the process of asking why. We see what nature is like around us and we ask why and we explain things in terms of atoms and molecules and the forces that act on them and we ask why are those things true and we explain those in terms of a deeper theory the standard model of elementary particles and if we bring gravity into it we also have Einstein's general theory of relativity and that is the answer to the question why about gravity <laughs> but then we want to go to the next step and perhaps the next step after that and so on. we want to keep asking why and digging deeper as yes it were. and not necessarily smaller I mean it isn't necessarily a progression towards smaller things although historically it largely has been uh, but deeper in an intellectual sense uh, toward theories that explain more and more in terms of simpler and simpler hypotheses. 
And I can't imagine that this will go on forever, so we will come to some place where we have to stop, and we will have a theory which uh, has no further explanation in terms of anything deeper that we can find, perhaps that has none at all. And that, I guess, I would call a final theory. Uh, what I hope for in a final theory is that it will have a kind of logical rigidity in the sense that there will be nothing about it that you could imagine changing uh, in any small way, like changing the value of a numerical constant without leading to mathematical inconsistencies. So that any question about why things aren't slightly different would be answered logically by saying, well, if they were slightly different, the theory would make no sense. Our present theories have that quality of logical rigidity to a certain extent, and that's what we find beautiful about them. That's why we regard them as real accomplishments. You, you've said yeah. that it is possible to imagine a final theory that doesn't have a deeper explanation, but it is not possible to imagine a final theory that does not need a deeper explanation. Yes, and this is because uh, whatever final theory we come to, we will never be able to show is logically the only possible theory because there is always the possibility of another theory, as, for example, a theory where there's only one particle in the universe, nothing ever happens, uh, that is logically possible, cannot be excluded on the grounds of logic, but uh, does not describe the real world. So I think the old hope of uh, building all of our understanding of nature on pure reasoning is doomed. Uh, that cannot be. However, I should add that the other logically possible theories that we can imagine, which show that the final theory cannot rest on pure logic, uh, are all impoverished. It may be that the final theory we come to can be shown to be the only possible theory, logically possible, mathematically consistent theory, which is rich enough to allow for the existence of beings who would ask questions about it. Stephen's final theory would be concise and elegant, explaining the fundamental building blocks of the universe, particles and forces, perhaps space and time, so precisely that any deviation would be false. I should step back. Ask about reality, the thing to be explained. David Gross, professor of physics at the University of California, Santa Barbara, won the Nobel Prize for explaining the inner workings of protons. What about explaining the inner workings of reality? David, can you help me? I like to uh, define reality as a physicist would. An experimentalist would define reality as that that uh, one can measure or observe. A theoretical physicist such as myself would actually define reality as that that we 
can calculate. So the question is, is there, is, is there an imaginable final theory of everything? I am an agnostic about that. The more we learn, the more we know, the more we realize we don't know. That means that you actually have to know quite a bit to be ignorant, scientifically ignorant, in a, which means that you're, you have questions that can be approached either by experiment or by calculation. So I, I, I picture knowledge as growing outward into a sort of a sea of ignorance, and we're only aware of the boundary of that domain of knowledge. And that boundary gets bigger as the volume of knowledge gets bigger. So how does that lead to either the, your agnosticism, whether we will have this one necessary and sufficient theory, or we won't? Typically, what happens is that when we come up with a new theory that is so powerful uh, that it answers all the questions we posed, and maybe we think that's the beginning of the end, we discover new questions. And that could go on forever. Well, can it go That's on forever? Why I'm agnostic. Can it go on forever in in depth? Uh, certainly, uh, horizontally, we can always ask scientific questions. But in terms of fundamental principles, can we have an infinite regress down and down and down? It's hard for us to be aware of the ignorance that is too far beyond our knowledge. So you one tends to think that there is a limit because one is basing that, that feeling on our present knowledge of what we're ignorant of. And that knowledge of what we're ignorant of is limited. So you said, well, it's hard to imagine that we can probe even deeper and deeper to shorter and shorter distances. Eventually, we'll get to zero distance. When we start thinking about very short distances and very short times, we will be forced to modify in a very significant way our very notions of space and time. So it's quite possible that when we are forced to change and revise our attitudes about space and time at what we now call very short distances, that will allow us to raise totally new questions whose nature we can't imagine now. The questions are almost as interesting, often, than the answers. And the questions are almost as difficult to discover as the answers to those questions. So I have no illusion that I can imagine all the questions that people will be asking 100 years from now. And therefore, this could go on forever. On the other hand, it might end. Who knows? Human knowledge expanding into a sea of ignorance. I like that. We're continually surprised by nature. That's right. But I cannot imagine deeper and deeper theories going on forever. That makes no sense. I want to know how the world works. Are there other ideas for a final theory? I go to Stanford to meet Robert Laughlin, who won the Nobel Prize in solid-state physics. That gives him a different perspective. 
What's his take on final theories? I meet Bob in his home. Bob, I'm a bit awed of what physicists do when they talk about a so-called final theory, unifying all the forces. Is there a, a, a legitimate hope of, of truly getting a final theory? Well, I'm a physicist too, so I hope so. <laughs> However, there's some bad news. The bad news comes from understanding how matter works. When matter is organizing itself, it makes laws, which is good. It makes the laws, and it doesn't depend on the details. The laws always come out to be the same. And you can predict things with them. But the bad news is those laws blind you to the underlying microscopic causes. Why? Well, because it doesn't matter what they are, the laws that you actually measure would always be the same. We call this process renormalization in physics. It's a technical term. But as a practical matter, it means that some things are very predictable and reliable. The bad news is that the little details that led to that are not knowable until you get a new machine capable of going to such tiny scales and such high energies that the law fails. In other words, we think we're going to measure things and understand the fundamental parts of the universe. But a side effect of giving that law is it says, well, you can have this, but you can't have this other thing. That's for me. Until you make a better accelerator or whatever. Now, um, I didn't order it that way. Probably I would have been happier as an intellectual man had I been able to see through this wall. But that wasn't the way it is. So what does that imply about a final theory? Is, is it possible to, to have one? I personally think it's too early historically to have the, the final theory of the universe because the experiments aren't nearly good enough to distinguish one of them from another. What I mean by way too early is perhaps millennia. Th that long? Because you need the, the, the energy levels to be at a certain... Correct. In other words, the amount of speed, energy scale, and so forth, the technology you need is so stupendously beyond where we are right now that I don't think it's going to come for many, many generations. For Bob, until a final theory can be confirmed by experimental evidence, it's premature to speculate. Any final theory is for the far future, because atomic colliders must be enormously more powerful. Are we stuck with speculation, or is something missing? Might there be a radically different approach to a final theory? I go to Boston to meet Stephen Wolfram, a physicist and software entrepreneur who set the scientific world on edge with his new kind of science. Stephen's bold intuition was that simple rules engender great complexity. But can simple rules explain the entire universe?
I'm sort of hopeful that sometime in the next limited number of decades, we may actually be able to sort of hold in our hands the ultimate rule for the universe. So the thing that I, I've been very curious about, kind of uh, whether there might be a simple rule that corresponds, that can reproduce all of the, the richness of physics as we see it and, and so on. And what I've realized is that sort of our, our traditional intuition about the fact that it must be that that rule must be something very complicated to reproduce everything that we see that that traditional intuition probably isn't correct and that it's perfectly likely that there could be a very simple rule that can reproduce all of the richness that we see in the, in the physical universe what would that rule have to be to to at least satisfy you to a first approximation that maybe you found something interesting well, so the, the, this rule, if it's a simple rule, it's something that's sort of beneath space, beneath time, beneath all of the things that we normally think of as being uh, obvious aspects of our physical universe. So you, you go through sort of uh, looking at is that, you know, here's a possible universe. Does it satisfy sort of the basic criteria or not? And often it's a long way away from satisfying even the most basic criteria. One of the things one has to realize is that if the rule is simple, it's very unlikely that it will be almost correct, but not precisely correct. That is, that you know, you'll have a rule that has you know, three dimensions of space. It'll have electrons and muons and tor leptons, but it'll have just this one little weird bug out there on the side. That's very unlikely to happen. If there is a simple rule for the universe, you're either going to hit it dead on or you're going to be way wrong. I think there are two questions here. One, I think that you're asking, is if it's this rule, why is it this rule rather than a host of other rules? It's another question that says, if it's this rule, why is there a rule at all? And where did that rule come from? Which is the much harder question. When we found the ultimate rule for our universe, I'm sure we will find a way to say, this is the only rule it could possibly be. This is the rule, you know, a equals zero. This is rule number one. And there'll be some way of formulating things that makes it rule number one. But does that really answer what's going on? No, it doesn't. One thing that might be the case is, is that um, because of the way our brains are set up, emerging from this universe, that it might be the case that it is inevitable that the rules for our universe must be simple with respect to the formulations that our brains can produce. I don't think that's in fact a correct argument. Um, I think there's a sort of a more fundamental issue of whether the rules for our universe are simple that sort of goes beyond the details of our particular brains and our particular formulation of those rules. Um, I mean it is sort of a perhaps in a sense, the most fundamental fact about theoretical science is that there is at least some order in the universe. It could be the case that the universe was utterly orderless and ruleless, but it is not. Given that there is some order in the universe, can that turn into a very simple rule that uh, will be sort of the explanation for our whole universe, or will it be a more complicated rule? If it turns into a simple rule, why that rule and not another rule? We're a couple of hundred years away from being able to answer that, at least based on the, on the course of scientific history to date. A final theory for Stephen would be a simple rule that generates all the richness of physics. When I started, a final theory seemed sufficiently simple to understand, if fiendishly difficult to specify. The more I've learned, the more moving parts I see.
can't get to closure. Options proliferate. Ways of thinking clash. I should see Frank Wilczek across town near MIT. Frank won the Nobel Prize and has a gift for explaining physics. I need to call upon his gift. He invites me to his home. Frank, you have asked a question which I never thought about, which is really fundamental. And that is with all of these particles, what, 10 to the 80th numbers of protons or whatever, why are they all the same? Well, that says something very profound about the way the universe is constructed. Because what it tells us, or confirms, is that the most basic objects out of which to construct the universe are not particles, but objects we call quantum fields. You can think of them as space-filling ethers that create and destroy the objects, the particles. There's something called the electron field that's what actually appears in our equations that creates electrons. And since there's only one such field, and it has the same properties everywhere and for all time, all the electrons it makes have exactly the same properties. So this is a radically different way to understand what a particle is. Yes, we see particles are kind of epiphenomena. They're kind of ripples on the, <laughs> on the deep structure. Uh. There's a deep structure which is quite different than the standard sort of Newtonian picture of particles uh, with acting with forces. It's not only electrons, but also protons, neutrons, the different sure. constituents of matter. They all are th the same no matter where you find them, out in outer space and so forth, because the underlying structure are these quantum fields. It's really uh, remarkable to see how mathematics can actually describe right. these fields, which then uh, engender the particles. It's astonishing. Certainly the way our models of the universe are constructed is using mathematics. There are a few very precise, uh, in a certain way, simple, beautiful, mainly beautiful equations uh, that describe the laws. They have a lot of symmetry. Most ways you could think of changing them make them worse or inconsistent. And when you add to that a bit of information about conditions in the early universe, that it started out very hot and almost but not quite completely uniform with fluctuations. You get a universe emerging that uh, in broad strokes resembles ours on its large-scale structure and we have plausible although not detailed uh, pictures of how from from these fluctuations uh, the structures, galaxies and stars and planets eventually emerge as well as, of course, a detailed account of the interactions among elementary objects that's sufficient to do chemistry and biology and all those things. So, yeah, it's all mathematics, and this takes on a life of its own. The equations have this marvelous way of giving you more than you back, than you put in. And there are loose ends. We don't understand everything yet. And the equations maybe aren't quite as beautiful as they could be. But I don't think that central conclusion that the model of the world that really works is a mathematical model is going to change. I think that's here to stay.
it's getting very hard to imagine how it will change very much or how it can be explained in terms of anything simpler. So we're not there yet, but I think maybe we're getting there. So the most basic things are not particles, but quantum fields. That's why all particles are so perfectly the same. And what of the astonishing power of mathematics to model the physical world? Does this reveal a deeper reality? What's the prognosis? Will humanity find the final theory explaining fundamental particles and forces whether there is or is not a single theory that explains everything elemental has implications beyond science. Either way, a new question arises which begs for explanation. If there is only one way that the world had to be, why is this one way so suited for human life? Or, if there is no one way that the world had to be, why is our world so suited for human life? Answers split into two camps. Multiple universes or some kind of purpose. I cannot imagine any other possibility that's closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.